Our image for this series is a woman celebrating the festival of holy to remind us that blessing may not look like what we expect. In the Beatitudes, Jesus tells us who is blessed. Blessed is living in the assurance that I am with God and God is with me. Even though my present circumstances might not look like it, if I am blessed, I'm actually living in the kingdom of heaven. And that's not a delusional life. It's a life with hope. How do I get there to this life of hope? That's the question Jesus answered in Matthew 5, 1 through 12, and what we are going to answer this summer. Today we're looking at the first person Jesus says is blessed. In Matthew 5, 3, Jesus teaches this. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. This verse starts with a challenge. I only know of one person that actually wanted to be poor. It's a man who was very wealthy and famous and pretty much lost it all. You've all heard of him. The man is the boxer and former heavyweight champion, Iron Mike Tyson. Mike Tyson's boxing earnings alone were estimated to be over $300 million, and Forbes believes his total earnings were over double that. Tyson's net worth in 2020 is stated at about $3 million. Now, that's nothing to complain about, but it's a far cry from $600 million. Mike Tyson has said in interviews that the best thing that ever happened to him was losing all his money. When he had lots of money, he thought he had lots of friends. His friends would fight with each other over who got to do things for him, like take his clothes to the cleaners. What Mike Tyson didn't realize until later was that his so-called friends were the ones taking him to the cleaners. He had so much money, he would forget that he had thousands of dollars in his pants pockets. So his friends would want to take his clothes to the cleaners so that they could steal his money. Once he lost all his money, his life was better because all the people that were just there to steal from him went away. That's why he says, losing all my money was the best thing that ever happened to me. When Mike Tyson was wealthy financially, he was actually poor socially. It took becoming poor financially in order for him to recognize his social poverty and make the necessary changes in his life. I have to know my poverty. Blessed are the poor in spirit. The type of poverty Jesus is teaching about is spiritual, not financial, not social. The person who is blessed is deficient in the core of their being, that part of self that connects to God, the part of self that is eternal. There is the part of me that is my body, and the part of me that is unseen. And somehow in my brain and nerves and senses, those two parts of me interact to make a living, unique soul. It's easy to see when my body's not functioning in peak condition. I need glasses to see. I can be overweight. I can have broken bones and muscles. I can be sick to various degrees. My brain could stop working in peak condition. I could just be getting older. And Jesus says, blessed is the person who is spiritually poor. Ephesians 2, 1 through 3 has a description of spiritual poverty. It says, and you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you previously lived, according to the ways of this world, according to the ruler of the power of the air, 
the spirit now working in the son, in the disobedient. We too all previously lived among them in our fleshly desires, carrying out the inclinations of our flesh and thoughts, and we were by nature children under wrath as the others were also. So spiritually poor is dead in my sins, ruled by the world, and ruled by my own fleshly desires. Romans 1, 18-32 call it spiritual darkness and describe it in this way. Although it is obvious that God exists, we do not glorify him, and instead we give ourselves over to foolish thoughts and our own selfish physical gratifications. And because of this, we die and face judgment. Isaiah 59.2 describes this poverty as separation from God. It says, but your iniquities are separating you from God and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not listen. And one more, 2 Thessalonians 1.7-9 tells us that the outcome of spiritual poverty is judgment from God when it says, this will take place at the revelation of the Lord Jesus from heaven with his powerful angels when he takes vengeance with a flaming fire on those who don't know God and on those who don't obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. They will pay the penalty of eternal destruction from the Lord's presence and from his glorious strength. That is spiritual poverty as described by the Bible. My aunt, my father's sister, told me a story from when she was a child. She and my dad were at school and the people came from the circus to give free tickets to all the poor kids. My Aunt Jean came home from school and told her mom about her day. Mama, the circus came to the school and gave free circus tickets to all the poor kids. Her mom, my grandma, said to her, Did you get your tickets? Jean was in shock, and she started to cry. She went to my dad and said, Wayne, we're poor. She wasn't crying because they missed out on circus tickets, but because for the first time in her life she realized her poverty. The word Jesus uses for poor here not only means lacking necessary resources, but also has the idea that the person knows their poor condition and I am powerless on my own to change my condition. I don't think people want to think of themselves in that position in physical matters or spiritual. But the challenge here is that Jesus says those who admit the reality of our spiritual poverty are the people who are blessed. If I'm aware of my spiritual poverty, next I have to take action in my poverty. Although I am powerless on my own to get out of this spiritual poverty Jesus is describing, the word Jesus uses for poor has embedded in it an action. Begging. The reason we know this poor person recognizes the poverty of spirit is because they are doing the one and only thing they can to get out of poverty. Beg for help. This goes against our American ideals. As a culture, we don't like to beg, and we don't want others to beg. We don't glamorize the homeless person standing on the roadside with a sign. Our ideal says if you work hard and stay out of trouble, a person can pull themselves up by their bootstraps. Anyone can become president. While generally I would agree with that ideal, we may be the best country in the world for the ability to move up economically. 
we have to remember that not everyone is starting in the same place. It's impossible to pull yourself up by your bootstraps if you don't have any boots. It's hard to climb up when there are people or systems pushing you down. It takes multiple generations of incremental successes to climb up out of poverty. My paternal grandparents owned their house because the government used eminent domain to buy them out of their previous house and they used that money to buy a house outright. But neither of them went to college. My parents went to college and they owned their own home, but they just paid it off in the last couple of years. And how my dad graduated college, he did so by being the only black man in ROTC and serving in Vietnam. Now, Jennifer and I own a mortgage, and I graduated college without having to serve in the Army or in a war. I earned two bachelor's degrees and a master's degree, and I have to pay those off at will. You know, I hope my daughters can graduate college without debt. Four generations to go from poor kids getting free tickets to the circus to middle class debt. <laughs> We're not quite there yet. But all that is socioeconomic poverty, which Jesus says, or Jesus doesn't say is blessed. Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit. So what action do I take to get out of spiritual poverty? It doesn't matter how many generations pass, I can't dig out of spiritual poverty. My grandfather on my mom's side was a pastor, and on my dad's side was a deacon. My great-grandfather was a pastor. My great-great-grandfather was a pastor. And none of that legacy makes me right with God. I'm still spiritually poor until I take the right action. So what actions can I take when I'm spiritually dead in my sins? My physical works don't help my spiritual need. Ephesians 2.9 says, Salvation is not from works so that no one can boast. I cannot be saved by good deeds or righteous work. Titus 3.5 says he saved us not by works of righteousness that we have done. And in fact, according to Isaiah 64.6, my righteous deeds count as dirty rags before God. All of us have become like something unclean, and all of our righteous acts are like a polluted garment. All of us wither like a leaf, and our iniquities carry us away like the wind. I'm left with the same question that people asked Peter on the day of Pentecost. What must we do to be saved? In John 16:24, Jesus says, Until now you have asked for nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive so that your joy may be complete. The action I need to take is to ask the one who can remove my poverty. Remember, I told you that that word poor has embedded in it the idea of being a beggar, someone who is asking for help when they cannot help themselves. Well, I have to ask the right person. I'm going to preface this next illustration by saying this. Anyone who calls this church their family should never be fearful about asking for anything if you are in need. While we are commanded to show hospitality to strangers, we are also commanded to take care of the needs of the household of faith. I had a woman recently call me on the phone. And although there was more to the story than I'm sharing with you now, this woman expressed that her need would be met if she had $2,000. Here was the problem. It didn't matter if her story was true or not. It didn't matter if I empathized with her or not. 
and it didn't matter that I offered her alternative solutions. If the need that she felt she had was $2,000, I'm the wrong person to ask because I don't have $2,000 to give. Sometimes I'm just like Peter in Acts 3.6 who said, I don't have silver or gold, but what I do have I give you. And what Peter had to give was the healing power of Jesus. If my need is from my spiritual poverty, I better ask help from the only one who is spiritually rich, generous, and the source of all life, the one who has already paid my debt and bought me out of poverty if I choose to accept his redemption. Some of you may already know the answer to who to ask, but Jesus gives us the biggest hint right in the text. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Who in the world has the authority to give me the kingdom of heaven? Only Jesus. The word kingdom refers to ruling, and heaven is not some spiritual place where angels are. Heaven here is the same word used for universe. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for they will rule the universe. Talk about making a jump in socioeconomics spiritually. So who do I ask for help? Philippians 2, 8-11 tells us who rules the universe. It says, Jesus humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even to death on a cross. For this reason, God highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. How I ask for help is simple. Romans 10, 9-13 says, If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. One believes with the heart, resulting in righteousness, and one confesses with the mouth, resulting in salvation. For the scripture says, Everyone who believes on him will not be put to shame. Since there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, because the same Lord of all richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Ruling doesn't mean I become a god or rule the planet. If we look at what humanity has done to the planet and the choices we've given ourselves to rule us this next November, do we really want humans to rule? Romans eight sixteen and 17 says, The Spirit himself testifies together with our spirit that we are God's children. And if children, also heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him so that we may also be glorified with him. The spiritual poverty Jesus rescues me from restores my humanity to the place it's supposed to be. People existing and living in the true image of a holy and righteous God. If I know my spiritual poverty and act on that knowledge by asking the right person to help me, Jesus, I go from pauper to prince. Peter preached his sermon at Pentecost, and Acts 2, 37-42 tells us, When they heard this, they were pierced to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what should we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, each of you, in the name of Jesus Christ 
for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and your children, and for all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. With many other words he testified and strongly urged them, saying, Be saved from this corrupt generation. So those who accepted his message were baptized, and that day about 3,000 people were added to them. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayer. What I hear from that is today anyone can ask Jesus to save them. This first act out of spiritual poverty will not only be a blessing to you, but to the generations that follow you. And it's not a one-time act, but a continual devotion that transforms the community. If that is what you want, I invite you to ask for it. Let's pray. From Psalm 131, actually from Psalm 13. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long will I store up anxious concerns within me, agony in my mind every day? How long will my enemy dominate you, me? Consider me and answer me, Lord my God. Restore brightness to my eyes. Otherwise, I will sleep in death. My enemy will say, I have triumphed over him, and my foes will rejoice because I am shaken. But I have trusted in your faithful love. My heart will rejoice in your deliverance. I will sing to the Lord because he has treated me generously. Without you, Jesus, I am in poverty. But the riches of your sacrifice on the cross and the riches of your rule are available to me by faith. I know I am spiritually poor and can do nothing to change my situation. But I repent of what I am and I ask you, Lord, to change me so that I may live blessed and as a blessing to you and others. Amen. As you reflect on this message, think of one thing that resonated with you, one thing that challenged you, one thing you want to learn more about, and one thing you will do based on what you've heard. I'd love to have the opportunity to talk with you about these things in person or online. And I'll leave you with this blessing from Jude 24 and 25. Now to him who is able to protect you from stumbling and make you stand in the presence of his glory without blemish and with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, power, and authority before all time, now and forever. Amen.